Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. I'm glad to be here with you. I'm glad to finish up our marriage series called For Better or Worse. And uh, so you don't have to worry about your spouse poking you anymore throughout the service. This will be the last one. Uh, If you have uh, missed any of the messages, they're all online. And we started out talking about be the blessing. On Mother's Day, we looked at the woman of blessing out of Proverbs 31. And from there, we moved to uh, why did God create marriage? We have so many people who just uh, think marriage is the last thing on the list after you've gotten a big fat ring and gotten that dream house you want and the, your dream car. Then comes marriage. So why do we need marriage? And uh, we went through a list of several different items and ended with marriage reflects Jesus' love for his church. But maybe more importantly for you and I as practical people, marriage is God's tool uh, that he uses to mature us. And so more than anything else, marriage is is something that causes us to have to mature. And then last week, we started in uh, John chapter uh, 15 and looked at some of Jesus' last words. And he said these words in verse 12. He said, this is my commandment. And remember, this is hours before the cross. He looks at his disciples, maybe for the last time, and looks each of them in the eye and said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So then we jumped over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we kind of get down in the nitty-gritty of what is love, especially in a marriage relationship. And Paul starts out and basically says it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, It doesn't matter if you have a faith that can move mountains. It doesn't matter if uh, you have the greatest spiritual gift set known to mankind and can speak in tongues and have the gift of prophecy. It doesn't matter if you give your life for somebody else. If you don't love one another, then you've missed it. So we ask the question, well, how do we love one another well? And it's a great question, and Jesus answers it in John 15, 13, where he says, Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. So this is actually what Jesus did several hours later as he would lay down his life physically for us, that we might know the Lord that we might have salvation and relationship with Him. And so this is how we are to live. And Paul sums it up in Galatians 2.20. He says, It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. And so when we approach the issue of marriage, this is the idea that we're supposed to say, it's not about me anymore, right? But yet when we look at marriage, the thing that gets us in trouble most often is selfishness because it's about me and my happiness, whether it's about the arguments about money or it's about how we're spending our time or or our plans for this weekend, whatever it is that causes the friction in, in your life, 
most often it comes down to being selfish. So we went back to 1 Corinthians 13 and we said, first of all, love is patient, right? Like love is not pushy. It doesn't force people to do something that they don't want to do. Um, I, I like to put it this way. A uh, great commentary said that love uh, is to demonstrate perseverance despite difficulties. The old King James Version says that love means to suffer long. And some of you are asking the question, how long do I have to suffer before I get out of this? Well, Scripture doesn't say how long you have to suffer because Jesus suffered for you. But the idea is that, that love, especially when it comes to marriage, is no longer about happiness. It never was about happiness. It's about developing character. And so we said love is patient. It defers to the other person because Jesus deferred to you. And we go back and we talk about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says, Lord, please, this is the last thing I want to do. If there is any other way that we could save mankind, if there's anything, let's do that instead. On a scale of one to 10 of how much I don't want to do it, it is a hundred. So let's do something else. But at the end, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And he deferred, and he went to the cross anyway for you and for me. And we said love is also kind. And kindness is simply put, it's lending other people your strength when they don't have the strength. That's what kindness is. Again, because that's what Jesus did for you. Because while you were still a sinner, Jesus refrained himself, right? Like Because sin deserves immediate and total death. But the Lord refrained himself and said, no, I'm going to withhold myself because I am strong and you are weak. And so through my patience, through his kindness, we are able to come to salvation. So how much more should we do that for our spouse? Finally, we said love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And it is not rude. Love lets somebody else take the spotlight. Love doesn't have to be in the middle. Love doesn't have to interrupt the conversation and say, well, what about me? What I did? Love is not proud. Love, love isn't so proud that it can't apologize. Right? Because love is humble. And love is not rude. It does not dishonor another person. We give, we give honor to things of value. And I would remind you that you, I would remind you that your spouse you were bought with a price, a very, very great price. The price was Jesus' blood himself. So you, your spouse, you are worthy of great honor. So that brings us to where we are today. 1 Corinthians 13, if you have your Bible, we're going to look at verses uh, 5 through 7, and then we're uh, going to look at verse 11 here in a minute. And I think I may have added on verse 7 last second, so that one may not be on the screen here. 1 Corinthians 13, it does not insist on its own way. Obviously, we're talking about love. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. 
First thing I want to point out is that love is selfless. Look at those first few words there. Love does not insist on its own way. Uh, The NIV puts it this way, love uh, is not self-seeking. It is not selfish. The New Living Translation says, love does not demand its own way. I really like that translation because uh, when it comes to conflict, at least in my house, it's always about what I want, and really and truly I'm demanding that I need my way, and if I don't get my way, then I'm upset. Now, I believe when we go back to the Scripture and the context, what Paul is talking about is something he addressed earlier in the book of Corinthians. And if you guys remember from last week, the church at Corinth was a disaster from top to bottom. And one of the issues they had uh, was regarding taking of the Lord's Supper. Now, for you and for me, it's a very uh, oftentimes solemn, uh, reflective time where we remember the Lord's death. Uh, Now, it could also be a time of celebration because because of his death, uh, we have freedom in Christ to be able to live and breathe today, right? But uh, the church in Corinth turned it into a grand party, and uh, the kind of party that's not fitting for Christians. And so uh, some people would come early, and they would just feast on everything that was there. And it was more like a meal for them, not like the cracker and the little juice we have. And they would just feast and they would eat and they would drink to the point where some of them would get drunk in the Lord's house. And so others would come later and there would be nothing left for them. And so they're left not being able to participate in the Lord's Supper. It was a total disgrace. And what Paul is saying, you're only thinking about yourself here. You are not considering the other people who are also part of the body of Christ and who are going to come and partake of the Lord's Supper. So when it comes to love, when it comes to you and me, love is selfless because it considers all of the other people around, particularly in the marriage relationship. Because marriage is about thinking about other people. It's about the other person and their needs and their preferences and how you can serve them well. And I would just say, we got one kid in the room today, so I get to speak directly to you. This is a great opportunity, while you are still living at home, for you to be able to practice this. We got two. Sorry, Vincent. Um, This is a great opportunity for both of you guys to get ready for marriage years down the road, right, mom and dad? that you would practice serving your families, that you would consider your brothers and sisters that you live with, consider the needs of of your parents and the others who live in your home and what are their needs and how can you, as a young man of God, serve them? Even when you move forward in life and you begin to have roommates in college or whatever school you go to, think about how you can serve them. And one day at the right time, when the right young lady comes along for each of you young men, she will be amazed at your ability to anticipate her needs and to be able to serve her well. And you will have a great marriage relationship. So practice now your opportunity to consider others in the home and serve them. But secondly, not only is love selfless, love is is not easily 
angered. The scripture says uh, that love is not irritable, right? Uh, Again, another translation would be, it is not easily angered. And so I wonder today, what what are the things that, that just get under your skin really fast? What are those things that in your home, when somebody says something, when somebody does something, maybe for those of you with uh, small children, when that child makes a certain noise or, or cries that just gets under your skin to where you boil over and you have an outburst of anger and maybe you say or do things that you normally would not do. What are those things? It's interesting, uh, Will Rogers, for those of you who know him, he said, people who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. And then it's also been said that an angry man is angry again with himself when he returns to reason. Isn't that true? Have you ever flied, fl- flown, flown off the handle about something and you go off in a fit of rage for a few minutes and then, man, five, 10, 20 minutes later, you don't even remember what got you so upset in the first place. See, love doesn't do this. Rather, love absorbs. It doesn't reflect back and push back. Love absorbs. Love takes it in. And we do this very easily with children, right? Like you think about a young child. Uh, I think about Haley, right? When, when, when she is uh, upset about something, it's very easy for me to put myself in her place and understand that, that she does not have the mental capacity to be able to deal with the situation, right? And we do that easily with kids because we know they're hungry. We know they don't have words that they can use. We know that, man, they're not emotionally mature enough to handle what's going on right now. And so we just absorb that. So they cry and fuss and throw a fit, and we just take it all in, and it's okay. But when it comes to the other people in our house, particularly the adults, maybe the one you're married to, when something happens and they throw a fit of rage, what do we do? Oftentimes, we respond in anger when rather we should just absorb. And if we were to put ourselves in their place and to be able to understand what their day has been like and the things that they've had to deal with and where they are mentally and emotionally, it is much easier to be able to absorb that and say, honey, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that you spent two hours on the phone with AT&T trying to get our phone bill straightened out. Well, I would be mad too. It's okay. I had a great mentor who said, listen, if you were to put yourself in the other person's shoes, and if you had their parents, and if you lived in their house, and if you had their income level, and if you had been through all of the events that they had been through, then you would respond exactly as they did. And that is a very humbling thing to think about. Yet when it comes to marriage, sometimes our expectations are a little bit too high, and we respond in anger when rather we should be absorbing what is going on. And by the way, nobody makes you angry. They only bring out of you what is already in you. And so for you and I as Christ followers, it means for us to be able to deal with what is inside before it comes outside. 
Number three, love doesn't keep a list. The ESV says, love is not resentful. Again, a better translation would be, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't keep a list. It doesn't remember the past. And I I would just say, like if you are looking to get out of a relationship, and, and I'm not recommending this, I'm not saying you should do this, but if you were, if you were to try to get out of a relationship, just begin to bring up all of the things that the person that you're married to has done wrong in the past. And it will torpedo that relationship so fast and you'll be free and clear of that person. Now again, I don't recommend doing that and I don't think that's true of anybody here in in our church because we're all on the same team and we're trying to work together. So why in the world would we bring up the past and think about all the things that you should have done or you could have done or you did wrong? You see, Jesus doesn't keep a list on you right? He's not looking for you to mess up. So if you're looking for your spouse to mess up, and if you're always bringing up all the things that they've not done right, stop it. Just stop it. Like, don't do that. There's no room in that for the Christian household. Verse 6 also says, uh, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rather rejoices with the truth. And so I think about Philippians 4, 8, and, and it's that wonderful passage. If, if anything is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy, if anything is uh, on and on it goes, right? We all have that memorized, don't we? And uh, we, think, we think about those things. And so when it comes to marriage, we're thinking the best about our spouse. We're giving them an allowance, room for error, overlooking their offenses, because that's what Jesus has done for you and for me. And I would just gently remind you, if you want to bring up the past, remember that your past is much worse than what you're going to remember about your spouse. Because Jesus has a whole file cabinet on all the things that you have done. And his list is way longer than your list. So we move forward and we forgive and we live like we've forgotten. And I know for some of you, this is especially hard. Because some of you have been through very traumatic things in your marriage. And really, you probably have a right to bring up the past. But if you want your marriage to succeed, you must forgive and live like you have forgotten. Again, because that's what Jesus has done for you. He doesn't bring up your past He doesn't sit there and remind you of the things you did when you were 16 and 18 and 21 and 26 and yesterday. He doesn't do that. That's the accuser. That's Satan. He's the one who does that. Jesus reminds you about how much he loves you, how proud he is of you. He affirms you again and again and again. And even when correction is needed in a relationship, I think about how Jesus corrected Peter. You remember Peter, right there as Jesus was on trial? He didn't just offend Jesus. He went overboard. He denied he even knew him. He had been with him for three years. And after Jesus' resurrection, he comes back and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord. 
Peter asks you again, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, of course. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, of course I love you. And the matter was over. Jesus didn't condemn him. He didn't cuss at him. He didn't spit at him. He didn't throw things. He didn't get upset. He just asked, Peter, reaffirm your love for me as I'm going to reaffirm my love for you. So opening the past is just a power play on your spouse. You're automatically going to win. And I love a good power play. For those of you who are hockey fans, it's an exciting two minutes when they're on the power play. But there's no room for that in a Christian marriage. Finally, love grows up. Love grows up. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. I sat down just a little bit before church today, and I thought about the things that might be comparable, especially in a marriage relationship, to what a child does and what an adult does. And really, I had Haley in mind, if we're honest. And so if it helps you, you can just picture her doing these things. A child gives you the silent treatment. A child throws a tantrum and might throw things when they're upset. A child has no trouble being rude. A child argues over piddly things and is selfish. A child can be very passive-aggressive. If you don't know, you can come to my house tonight. But an adult, an adult looks over offenses. An adult thinks the best about their spouse. An adult finds ways to serve. An adult absorbs anger directed at them. An adult has an adult conversation when things have gone wrong in the marriage. See, again, I would remind you the whole point of marriage is that you would develop a Christian character and be men and women who are right with, before the Lord, who are upstanding, who have integrity, who are truthful, who are honest, who are adults, and know how to love. So I want to close today. I want to give you three brief suggestions to strengthen your marriage. And then I'm going to give you the standard uh, three questions to talk about uh, with your spouse tonight at dinner or while you're laying in bed. And then I want to share with you just a very brief story. So number one, uh, this is just suggestions for your marriage, and these are not on the screen. I added these last minute. Um, if, if you will just take time every day and every week to spend time one-on-one -on -one with your spouse, it will strengthen your marriage. We live in a busy, busy culture, and, and we can get so distracted by all the things going on and crossing each other, coming and going, that oftentimes there's a lack of communication in the marriage relationship and we unintentionally grow distant. But if you will make it a point to have fun daily with your spouse, even if it's just for a few minutes, to sit and to talk and to catch up about the day. If you will withdraw weekly, go on a date, whether it's sitting on the back porch in, in your backyard and talking or if it's going for a long walk where you get to discuss things or if it's going out to dinner, 
Whatever that is for you and your spouse, do that weekly with one another. And then with um, abandon annually. And so leave the kids at home, call grandma, call your neighbor, whoever. Leave the kids at home and you and your spouse go away for just a couple of days to re-engage and to invest in your relationship. Secondly, I would remind you that love is a choice. Love is not a feeling, unlike that great country song that says love is a feeling. But love is a choice because God does not command our feelings, but he commands the choices we make. And so love is not uh, about feeling good and being happy, but it is a choice to serve your spouse. And number three, and I stole this from Rick Warren, uh, marriage is the union of two great forgivers. And to the, the degree that you can forgive your spouse and move on is to the degree that you have a great marriage. Now, three questions for discussion. Number one, what childish thoughts did you have about love that you brought into the marriage relationship? Number two, very similar to last week, what area do you have work to do? Uh, are you selfish, easily angered, uh, keeping a list of what your spouse has done wrong, or are you still acting like a child sometimes? Number three, will you choose to believe the best about your spouse? We choose to believe the best. Now, I want to share with you uh, some words from my father-in-law, who is a, a great Christian man himself. And uh, he sent this out in an email to his Sunday school class. And he knows we're going through a marriage series uh, here at Huddle Community Church. And so he sent this to me, and I thought it was appropriate to share with you. I want to share a brief story about God's grace and provision, as well as one of commitment. In the mid-70s, my wife Claudette and I taught a college and career class at First Baptist Church, Plano. We developed a close friendship with David, as we have with many of our class members over the years. He later married Patty, and they attended a young couples class we were teaching when we left Plano in 1985 and moved to Farmersville. In 2019, I got a call out of the blue from David. He was calling to touch base and thank us for the impact on their life. He reported that Patty had developed Alzheimer's a number of years earlier, and it had grown progressively worse. As he told me about all of their experiences, I was very taken by his pleasant and almost cheerful attitude. It was one of satisfaction with God's provisions and for the ability to care for Patty. Almost like this was an opportunity God had given him to care for the wife he had provided years earlier. He shared some of their experiences uh, with dementia, some difficult, some funny, and all with a sense of God being in control. What a witness to me. I was very taken back by this because this man took out early retirement so that he could care for his wife. When he could have said, well, you can't meet my needs anymore. You don't make me happy anymore, so I'm leaving. But rather, he sacrificed his own career and his own wants and his own desires so that he could serve his wife so selflessly to the end of her days. Would you pray with me? Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. 
Thanks again for listening and God bless.